When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I remember my first day on set, the very first time, it was time to call action, and I opened my mouth, and suddenly I heard someone yell, action. I was like, what? And turned behind me, and my first AD had just called action. <laughs> so I said, cut. <laughs> this is my, this is my moment. Um, he had just been taught that the first AD he got taught the wrong way. And um, so that, that's my first day. Gina Prince Bythewood still remembers the first time she stood behind the camera as a director. Her filmography has produced some of the most culturally relevant and genre bending stories of the last 20 years, beginning with her 2000 debut, Love and Basketball, and now with the Oscar contender, The Woman King. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talked to Gina Prince-Bythewood about that historical epic, as well as the challenges of shooting and getting shut down during COVID. She even talks about the possibility of seeing a reboot of the sitcom A Different World, where she got her start. Later, we chat with German actress Nina Haas about her performance in Todd Field's Tar, opposite Kate Blanchett. But first, the Award Circuit Roundtable is back and in person as we kick off this Oscar season with some insight on who's hot and who's not. We look at the films that premiered at the fall festivals, such as The Fablemans, and the year of the populist flicks and box office hits, such as Top Gun Maverick making a serious play for the Oscars' top category. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. And hey, everybody, we're back. We are in person, at least this week, before everyone is again scattered to the corners of the earth. But it is that busy time of year for everyone here. But hello, I am your old TV friend who's now going to pretend <laughs> to know a thing or two about film, Michael Schneider. Tell him what movie you just saw that you're now catching up on. <laughs> Oscars 2000. I finally, Armageddon, not Armageddon Time, not uh, but but the original Armageddon from 1998. I'm, I'm kind of like slowly getting into Making this, your way towards this, it. The, the millennium. So, but uh, shout out to Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> but uh, we yeah. We at the edge of your seat. He didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, I I I thought they were all gonna die. <laughs> so, do you remember that in Deep Impact coming out like months apart? Oh yeah, apart? yeah. Well, my favorite was when the Illusionist and the Prestige mm. came out very close yep. together. Yes. And then Capote and uh, what's oh, the, was the other oh, one with the, the Andy Bullock called. one. Yeah. yeah. 
Infamous? Uh, infamous, yes. Okay. Yes, right. Woo, yeah. what do I win? Um, now you've put don't want to miss a thing in my head. Mm-hmm. Thank don't you, Diane. Don't close your... So, and... and our listeners do not want to miss a thing because we are <laughs> nice segue, oh the king gosh. of segues. We are back. talking Oscar season. Look who's here. Look who's here. We've got Janelle Riley sitting across from me in the flesh. We got Jazz Tanke right here. Uh, perpendicular? No. <laughs> Janelle waved and I'm diagonal. <laughs> there you go. Everything everywhere all at once. We're right here. And the heartthrob himself, oh, no, no. Clayton Davis. Get your Clayton Davis trading cards now at your local 7-Eleven. I used to want to be on a baseball card or something. I thought it would look good on a baseball card. You totally could. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's going to make one for you right now, one of our listeners. Yeah. Oh, no. They're going to do like magic cards. It's going to be terrible. It'll be a monster. What <laughs> would your baseball play-on song be? Ooh, uh, Sweet Caroline. Oh. That was the first one they came to. But probably something Bon Jovi. Mine would be don't want to miss a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it all back. Don't want to close your eyes. And I blew my kids' heads, uh, you know, when I said, you know, you know who's singing that song? That's the father of the lady who's in the scene right now. Who's having sex with Ben Affleck on screen as her dad sings. (laughs) Nice. In a turbo turbine? Like there was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, did your kids know that she recognized her from Lord of the Rings? I don't think so oh you are not oh. properly raising i am not i am not i'm sorry but uh yeah we're we're getting we're getting through the classics yeah. that's that was our pandemic uh you know we we gotta take them through all the classics they've already seen so volcano. armageddon before <laughs> lord of the Rings. oh volcano and what's an, another movie volcano that came out and dante speak yes yes um have they seen jaws yes yes uh, my youngest loves Jaws. Have they seen Superman for the quest for peace? No, they have not. <laughs> There's a limit to the classics. So uh, snubbed, we're, snubbed at the Oscars. Snub, snubbed. Uh, we are in Oscar season, kids, I think, right? I think we've been this, in this, this season, yeah, right? Being honest, yeah. Uh, and a lot of movies have happened. We uh, had Telluride, Toronto, uh, Venice, New York is about to wrap up shortly. Uh, this week we'll have the premiere of She Said from Universal Pictures uh, with Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. One of the, I'd say there's five unknowns left in the season. Babylon. Babylon Mm -hmm. from Damien Chazelle. Avatar, The Way of Water Mm -hmm. from the up-and-comer Jim Cameron. Uh, Black Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which comes out in two seconds, by the way. Yeah, Like, in two seconds. And uh, A Man Called Otto. And Emancipation. Oh, I, well, yes, yes. It has screen. It has screen, but yeah. like, yes, we haven't seen it at large. I guess, and technically, uh, Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not the Tom Hanks one. Um, so Speaking of movies, I came out of the wrong yeah. <laughs> Pinocchio, why are you yeah. so sad? So, yeah, I mean, uh, any, I mean, do you anticipate anything big from those? You guys are... I have like, I mean, obviously, I think Avatar, Black Panther, and Babylon will be players. Probably Emancipation as well. Like, I'm hearing great things about it. But I'm really excited about Otto. Here it slaps. Um, <laughs> what is, is that, is that what, what the kids are saying? It's I love is it he, fetch? He, yeah. I love how he takes it, though. He just jumps in for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. he was waiting with that one. Yeah. Michael is literally patting yeah. himself on the back right yeah, now. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, I think I think Tom Hanks and 
I don't know if they're calling it a man called Otto or yeah. it's just called Otto. I'm really excited to see what he does with that because I love it when he plays cranky cantankerous and types. The original was really, was really good. good. Yeah. It's heart. It's very heartfelt. It could be a really good uh, tearjerker. I saw, the first image is uh, I saw it on IMDb, which makes it look like it's from News of the World. <laughs> which is a movie I love, by the way. Uh, but yeah, those are like the ones waiting in the wings. But however, we have seen quite a bit. Uh, People's Choice Award winner, The Fablemans, uh, from uh, Mr. Steven Spielberg. Kick I it. hear he's good. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie about his childhood, a theme that everyone is taking on the last few years. Thank you, Alfonso Cuarón, for doing that. Because um, now everyone's doing it. But, you know, listen, I think... If you're looking on its face, it feels like uh, the on-paper front runner, but unfortunately, there's five more months left in the year, <laughs> and all you can do is go down. Not in it's the year, in the season. It, it is hard. Yes, yeah, we do yeah. do our years by yeah, season. Now. Exactly, um, but there's a lot more more to go, and Michelle Williams there going lead, uh, really throwing her stake in the ground, going for a lead actress Oscar, and she's going to contend with. The film that I currently have number two at this time of recording, Tar, uh, with Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. and a 16-year missing Todd Field, mm. who returns. Uh, also co-starring Nina Haas, who's a guest on the podcast this week. Um, Tar, you haven't seen Tar yet, Mike, right? I have not. I love The Amazing Race, <laughs> but that's that's not the Tar we're talking about, so... Boy, I, mean, I, I would, I would give, an Oscar, give an Oscar. Give an Oscar to the amazing. This uh, podcast dad joke. Oh, it's so great though. Um, I really so I'm I'm always very reluctant to recommend movies to really? people because especially when I feel like it's made just for me. Like I'm like I don't know if you're gonna dig this. I don't know what your palette is cinematically, but I would like you to watch it, Mike. Yeah, because it's such a mind screw, and it even if you hate it. It generates such interesting conversations afterward. Does anyone hate it? A few people. You, I, I, tell, really I tell you right. People. Really? Why? Yeah. Really? Well, one is the length, which everyone knows I'm a stickler for. Yeah. yeah. And I think it earns every second. Two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. I think it, I think it goes. Oh, Clayton, no. I think it flies for me. Um, I think Kate Blanchett is great. I think Nina Haas is wonderful. And I've missed Todd Field very, very much. And I think... Above all, it's like the script of the year so far for me. There. Well, I mean, it takes place in classical music, right? So that's super but it's exciting. So, <laughs> no, but it's so much more. It is. It's so much more than, more than that. Remember yeah. how, yeah. I don't know if you actually ever saw King Richard, but how I know nothing, <laughs> went in knowing nothing about tennis and I was like fascinated by how they shot those tennis games. That's how this conducting yeah. world Well, we is knew shot. all about the Williams sisters. No, yeah. I, I know nothing. I know nothing well, about German orchestras. Well, well actually, the, the greatest prank Todd Field ever pulled was convincing us that Lydia Tarr was a real person. I spent I was, I I was sitting Googling her When they right said center. in the middle of the movie- Oh, no, she's begin- not? At the beginning of the movie, they say- She's an egot, and when I say I started like my, I was like, wait, you're what? Like Googling and you see, I, I was like, I've never heard of this woman before. And I felt, and I was like, wait, is this like another woman that they're just like renaming? Yep, yep, yep. yeah, and all that. But yeah. she's completely fictionalized. Okay. I'm, I'm more into this now. That's actually. how good he yeah. was. Yeah, I was the same as you. I was like, wait, she won an egot, and I'm yeah. like. How many egot pieces have I, I written? I was like, yeah. her name has never come up. And you're, you're starting to doubt your own. Yeah, your, exactly. Right, <laughs> and then you come out and you Google her, but. The scene, the interview scene is so phenomenal and like it was bold and just even how they open up with the end credits, 
Oh, yeah. yeah they open with the end credits. I forgot about that. And the other day I was at a Q&A and I was like, are you going to run full credits? And they were like, well, that's the beginning of the <laughs> like, oh, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it like I'm, I would be curious because then- I think we, you'll really the, like then it. There's a, yeah. I think you would like it too. Not a kid movie. <laughs> yeah. Not because it's inappropriate. I just think they'll be like, what is this? You about? can't take your eyes off Kate's performance. Like it's that good. And just to your point, Janelle, just how- she the way she moves her body and the choreography of like of like conducting the orchestra in those scenes it's such a great performance and you see her off stage yeah. she's not performing and it's like the duality of that yeah my i mean this uh, her co-stars are amazing obviously um my friend said something about kate blanchett once that i can't forget which is that she's so good she makes everyone around her look like insects <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I told Kate that and, uh, you know, she she laughed but was also kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But there's just – she's otherworldly. It has, it has the best Mark Strong comb over in history. And by the way, it also like there's so much to take from it. And when you, when you do walk away and you're having like this kind of inter- – like there's a boldness to it. Like he made a movie that's purposefully elusive. Like – that doesn't give you all the questions. It's I interesting. I, mean, I give you all the answers. Yes, we probably shouldn't get into it too much, but uh, the ending of the film, I have a very different interpretation from a lot of people, and I look mm. forward to discussing that yep. as more people yeah. see the movie. I will not spoil it now. Yeah. But as we go through art house movies, then, then there are those that are the populist choices, and we seem to be in a year of populist movies. Uh, standing at the top, uh, which was a financial bomb, obviously, Top Gun Maverick. Made. <laughs> also no. a very good movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I I literally rented it on Amazon Prime the other night. At, rented Did you watch it, it on yeah. your phone? No, I watched it on my big TV. And it bumps, man. It is still... Yeah. Like, it bumps, it, it slaps. Bumps. Yeah. It bumps. It, 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 like, it just really does what it sets out to do and it's such a good movie i I really believe it's in it's going to get nominated i think the question we need to ask ourselves because the internet's asking is this a potential winner i think anything's possible yeah 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 it's such a well-made film it basically saved the box office tom cruise is overdue it's gonna get big big below the line support i i honestly think anything is possible i wait to the danger zone Mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean, yeah, but you're right. Between that and then, of course, the the new Avatar, which you know we haven't seen yet, yeah. but and Black Panther, and Black Panther, and, and technically everything, everywhere, all yeah. at once. Yeah. You know that is that is a block. And listen, we are we are firmly planting our feet in the hopes that the Academy is going to get cool like that really fast. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's in right now the way it feels, but you know it can change. The Woman King is also a populist choice. I think it's doing really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell people, like, you'll be surprised at how, I mean, just as an action flick, this movie um, kicks. Is that, can I use that? You can go with your your verb. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's that. And then you mentioned Glass Onion. Uh, So, Mm, you know, that's another populist, Knives Out. And then even Elvis is, you know, just by the name Elvis and Baz Luhrmann, that's a populist sort of like. Yeah big production kind of thing. Yeah, well, there's two reasons for that. One is the Bohemian Rhapsody, like, playbook. Like, you just yeah. play that, and I think that's what you go with. But uh, more importantly, which I think also, like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, 
Elvis as a figure, as a person, the farther we get away from his time that he was alive, he's a myth to a lot of people. Even as I was watching it, I was like, do I know how Elvis died? Like, do I really know this? And then there were some things that you learned. And listen, there are problems with the movie, but then there are some great things about the movie. Uh, for me, Austin Butler still stands above like a lot of people this year mm. and, and, and what he delivers. And I just think it's going to be an easy choice for a lot of people to make. And Bohemian Rhapsody had problems too, but I remember coming out and being like, uh, I feel yeah. like that's in. Yeah. And yeah. this is better than Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. I exactly. I can say that. Yeah. So many ways. I love Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody. I actually like it. I, I don't dislike it, but I think Elvis is a better made film. Uh, I yeah. I mean, you know what's funny? They both have killer endings. That's part of what does yeah. it. Yeah. Openings and closings. Yeah. Well, death becomes them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, I... I I will say though that Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Tom Parker is distracting. We don't talk it's, about that. That, we that's, don't. That's why the first twenty five minutes of that movie are not good. Like that's where I was like really worried for. I it. also really don't love the choice of it, it being told from the point of view of his abuser. Yeah, it, unless that's they're making yeah. that point, but I it just seems like an odd choice. Yeah, there, there was a lot of things there, but the elephant in the room. I don't know if we can even call this populist, right? But uh, Will Smith is a populist figure, and we have Emancipation that is now coming this year. Super excited for this one. I I am very excited yeah. as well. Uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua, who gave us Denzel Washington's Oscar-winning moment for Training Day, twenty-one years ago, and. Even pre-slap, I heard that this movie was great. And now screening, I heard it, it's it's a really they got to be really, really confident yeah. to be releasing yeah. it this year. Yeah. So. And, and there's two there's two things. Obviously, it's confidence like of what they have, but also why would you want to put this against Scorsese and Ridley Scott next year because they have them. Apple has uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon next year. So right. why would you insert an Antoine Fuqua Will Smith? thing into that fray so i think it can i think it can do it like i think oh, it yeah. still get in yeah. which which i think now the academy has another problem will smith is a producer which means he will be nominated oh. and he can be nominated he just can't attend he yeah. can't attend yeah. but i the uh, i'm i'm i think what he was punished quote unquote with is appropriate there are going to be optics of it from the public perception if he's nominated for best picture or the producer He's going to be the, tied now for the most nominated black producer in history with two. And he's the only black guy on the movie that's producing. Mm-hmm. And oh. he won't be allowed there. The optics of that. I'm not, and I'm not saying like it's warranted or like that it's not like unfair. I'm just saying the optics, I think there's going to be a public outcry about it. And God forbid he gets nominated for best actor on top of that. <laughs> Because well, he can get nominated. He just totally to, yeah, can. He can. The, I think this is much more know. divided than people yeah. think. People think it's like, oh, they'll never touch him again. I think. Oh this, no! I, I think yeah. people are like. Some people are like, you know, I, I'm done with him. And others are like, we gave Roman Polanski an Oscar. Right, and and we live in a time where everyone has such short attention spans. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, p- p- people like forget everything like within six months. Yeah, but the other thing to remember though is is Twitter is one hellscape on its own and then you go out into the real world and it's a completely yeah. different conversation. Yeah. Yes. So it's really easy to get sucked into Twitter and then you're like, oh, wait, people really like this movie that nobody on Twitter likes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's one of the Try Guys. <laughs> so That SNL skit was a masterpiece. I don't know. It was like... Because I, I don't know who the, they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I, I thought and it, it was funny and I thought they did a good job imitating them, but the 
what they kind of are missing is the message is that Ned Fulmer had an affair with someone who works for him. Oh, for and sure. so like downplaying. You're saying names now. Like, <laughs> like, Ned? So downplaying yeah. actually how bad that is. Um, didn't entirely sit well with me. But I admit I laughed, especially because Brendan Gleeson. Brendan, can we talk yeah. about the, my two yes. favorites? Yeah. I we think have Brendan Gleeson's winning an Oscar this year. Yes. Banshees of Inisherin, oh, And gosh. the other one I really want to talk about, obviously, Women Talking, which I think Sarah Pauly could be our third best director, female best director in a row. It's such a good film. It is. And it's, best part, Mike, you ready? Ready? Yeah. 97 minutes. Oh, there we go. 97 <laughs> minutes. In, in, 97 in. minutes. I love this movie. Yeah. I love this. And it's hard because when I try to describe it to people, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice. So just see it. Yeah. Just try. You trusted me on 21 Jump Street. I wouldn't lead you astray. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different movie from 21 Jump Street. But Listen, what, what do you think is going to be a harder job this year? Navigating the Will Smith emancipation of it all or MGM trying to decide which woman to push from women talking for an acting nomination? I suspect it'll be Rooney Mara in lead. I don't know if that's been confirmed. It has not, but it feels like that if someone goes lead, it would be yeah. her. Yeah. I think Jesse Buckley's the easiest thing to do, but I think the I call I always call it the purity choice of like what like people were talking about on the internet. I think it's Claire Foy and Judith Ivy. Judith oh, Ivy's wow, fantastic. She Sheila McCartney's fantastic. Everyone, I mean, everyone they were is. cast is ridiculous. Ben Wishaw. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Yeah. Paddington Bear. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, we're going to have a Paddington, Brendan Gleeson, <gasps> Knuckles reunion at yeah. the Oscars. Ben, ben Wishaw could totally get in because one, he's going to have the Rachel McAdams uh, help of being the only gender in the movie that is easy. You don't have to compete with anybody. So I think he's just. He's also oh, he's freaking fantastic. So he's a, he has a he has a really yeah. good. He has he has he has a scene. Like it, it, it's really well done. Women talking is going to do very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a fan. Uh, also, but just in looking at this, I think it's just the, um, I think everyone's going to be, everyone's coming off the pandemic. Coda proved everyone was looking for a good mood. Mm-hmm. I think the only two movies that people are going to agree on this year, like a feel good is Fableman's and Banshees. And to a lesser extent, but slightly, uh, women talking. Mm-hmm. I think devotion could be a big crowd blazer. Could be. It's always going to, it's going to be the other Top Gun, I feel like. It's just uh, the other pilot movie. Oh, th- I know that everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I'm just going to throw out there again, 13 Lives, one of the best movies of the year. Didn't get the love it deserved, but Ron Howard is working the circuit. Yeah. Feel good, true story. Every person I recommend this to, I get a text at least once a week, and this is what happened with Coda last year, saying like, oh my God, that movie was fantastic. I, I think it's actually a good movie, and doubt uh, Ron Howard at your own peril. Um I wish it came out like two years later. It just coming off the rescue is really like that. That was its greatest, like, I don't say a misstep, but like that it exists right after the rescue. It's the obstacle for like people being like, why do I need to watch it when I've seen the dark? Yeah. Is this a prestige illusionist situation? I mean, in a way, yeah. Just doc in real life. Like, I wish they either gave it some more room or just went before. I hate to say this, but. How many people actually saw the doc? I know in our world, you know, we've all seen it. It's amazing. Sure. Like, yeah. But, you know, most people, they have but, a choice. But, but I think that's what, I think that's also what, but I think Academy voters saw the doc and then saw, and and they will probably watch this as well. So, I mean, it could, it totally could. And listen, it would be Amazon's best bet, like to get a best picture nom because my policeman, I'm, 
you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately won't do it. Uh, Nanny's great, but Nanny's so, but, but Nanny's so small. Like you have to beg a lot of people to watch movies this year, like Till. I love Till. More love people Till, so. are interested in Till than than I was worried about. So I'm, that's very because we have to keep spreading the message. You don't see him die. Yes. You have to just keep saying that. I was looking at the uh, so releases this weekend. So Till uh, enters limited release this weekend. Um, that seems to be the probably the the most notable one. Halloween ends <laughs> or that <laughs> evil. Ja- I mean, it's going to help Jamie it, Lee Curtis yep. and everything everywhere all at once, right? So so there you go. But uh, yeah, so that that looks to be the biggest uh, release of the week. Uh, Tar uh, expands this week. Uh, had the second highest per theater average of the year. Uh, when open to four theaters last week, so Tar's doing well, uh, and despite being two hours and forty minutes. And so, so Triangle of Sadness, uh, Triangle of Sadness, which I saw coming off a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I actually tried to watch it on the cruise, but I oh. couldn't get streaming, even though I was paying. Like, mm. by the way, ugh, I'm not going to use this to to air my angst at Royal Caribbean, but I would really appreciate a call. Today's back sponsor for, is. Oh. <laughs> They really have put me through the ringer. Um, no, uh, I think Dolly De Leon. Uh, I think she's getting nominated. Come oh, on, I'm, listen, loved. Please, please keep saying that. I need to set myself up just in case she doesn't. It's yeah. uh, it's one of my De Leon, right? De Leon. De, De Leon. Uh, yeah. And she's she's incredible. Oh yeah. my god! I SAG audience, as I knew, just went crazy for her. Yeah. Plus, she's got this story of being a job and actor for 30 years and. You know, getting the scene stealing role, and not like it's not on on the pe- page. I don't think it's scene stealing. Mm. It's what she does with it. Yeah, yeah. Also, a movie I have a very different interpretation of the ending mm. that sh- she agrees with. Okay, uh, Mike. Just let you know if we, if the four of us go on a cruise ship and it uh, gets shipwrecked, Jazz will be Dolly De Leon, and you will be a certain character. <laughs> So I'll let Wait, you. Who's he? Oh, <laughs> everyone. Who's nothing. Seen the nothing film. is positive. Yeah. In this scenario. Wait, people have an image of me now with a rock. <laughs> I'm Maybe. assuming I'll be Woody Harrelson. She commands this. Commands the screen. It's great. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. So and all that, movies that on the list. And all movies. all movies. So movies are good. Movies are back. Uh, come on. We have to give a TV plug. Abbott Elementary is just. Killing it! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. Season two, season two. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, so good. Mike and I have both seen the upcoming episodes of The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> well, always, always with The Simpsons. Wait, did I, the new season start yet? Yes. I didn't know. Yeah, and they have two Treehouse of Horrors this year, including mm-hmm. one that's a it parody with uh, Krusty the Clown uh, as Chris Cresto, the Pennywise like clown. Uh, well worth your time. I am a. Uh, unapologetic Simpsons fan till I die. So I know none of you came to my birthday, but did you happen to see my Homer Simpson cupcakes? Yes, I did. Yes, <laughs> that were... yes. Well, that's your icon now, right? That's it is. like on uh, yes. Twitter. So, so uh, yeah, well, we'll be back. Uh, I think a scattered again in the coming weeks, but eventually we will all merge back together and uh, great to see all of you in person. So what do we have this week? We have Gina Prince-Bythewood, director of The Woman King, and Nina Haas, co-star of Tar. Stay tuned. Bye. After the break, The Woman King filmmaker Gina Prince-Bythewood. From Los Angeles, this is the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Hey. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Director Gina Prince-Bythewood knows you can't win an argument on Twitter. That's why she stays off social media platforms and chose not to engage with users that were attacking her and her filmmakers from her box office hit, The Woman King. The movie depicts the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries and its role in the slave trade. It's garnered critical acclaim with standout notices from its cast, which includes Oscar winner Viola Davis and 007 herself, Lashana Lynch. We like the guns. You enjoy practicing with the men in the infantry. I see you flirting. This is not allowed? You know it is not. Why not? The men who are soldiers have wives and children, but the Agogia cannot. How is that fair? Were you this arrogant with your family? No wonder they gave you away. It is you who is arrogant. I am a general. I have earned it. You have earned nothing. I should put you out. Mm. I have watched soldiers die because they did not have discipline. Their easy life did not prepare them for- I did not have an easy life. As an Agogia. I did not have an easy life. The Sony Pictures film has grossed $54 million domestically so far, with an additional $10 million coming in from other territories. Prince Bythewood herself is generating awards buzz, looking to snag one of those five coveted spots for Best Director. If achieved, she would be the first black woman ever nominated in that category. Prince Bythewood's filmography has produced some of the most culturally relevant and genre-bending stories over the last 20 years. Beginning with her debut Love and Basketball in 2000, which introduced the world to Sanaa Lathan, she continued to share her visionary talents in films such as 2014's Beyond the Lights with Gugu Mbatha-Raw and The Old Guard with Charlize Theron. The Award Circuit Podcast recently caught up with Prince Bythewood to talk about The Woman King, the challenges she found shooting during a pandemic, and we even discuss her possible hint that perhaps the idea of a different world reunion might not be so far-fetched. We begin by talking about what interested her in doing The Woman King. It is where I have wanted to go, um, to do a historical epic focused on us, absolutely, for years now. Um, That desire did not match up with Hollywood's desire to see that Mm. um, until now. And I feel like... Maybe the time is okay because all of my work up until this point, including the old guard, got me into this position where I knew I could tell this the right way. And um, as Viola likes to say, it's time. Mm. It's past time. Um, But, you know, it took her and Kathy and Julius seven years to get us to this point. When I came aboard, it was another, I think, year to get that green light. I mean, it was absolutely a fight. So to be on this side of it now is a really beautiful thing. Viola Davis said, good up and comer. <laughs> She's going places, man. Let me tell you. Um, I always like to start here uh, when I'm talking to people such as yourself about what 
cinema has meant to them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you were born in L.A. Mm -mm. No, not no, not see. This is bios. We're gonna we're gonna uh, correct this now. <laughs> Where were you born? I was born in Chicago. Ah, um, but left for California. I think when I was one year old. I still claim it, but I'm I'm a Cali kid. You you can claim Chicago. It's good. Um, so, what was the movie that did it for you as a kid that you were like, gotta do this? This is it. It's really well as a kid, and then as a grown up. There's there's three different things: seeing Benji, and then ET. Two creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually have never thought of that before. But there were two movies that made me cry in the theater, and that always blew me away, that something that isn't really real could evoke that in me. And this is me at seven, eight, nine years old, having that feeling. So that got me into loving movies. And then it was at 17, seeing a trailer for She's Gotta Have It, and seeing for the first time myself reflected up on the big screen, like that was seismic for me um i've never forgotten that feeling and from that moment just a trailer not even it like was the just movie. a trailer that's the crazy thing um do you remember that show coming attractions on e growing up like, yes it used to be my jam like they don't people, do that anymore people underestimate the power of what a trailer can do and now we can like just also they can really disguise a movie sometimes <laughs> of being like something else um oh man that's, that's so interesting so you see the trailer for that, and, and did you know you wanted to direct? Could you put a name to it, or you just said, I need to do something in that? I wanted to write at that point. I had no thoughts of directing. I didn't even know what that was. I just wanted to be a writer, and it wasn't till I got to UCLA and started. I wanted to go to the film school, so that's why I chose UCLA, but you can't get in there till your junior year. So mm. I used to hang out on student film sets and help out, and it was one day working on a student film set, I was carrying equipment and literally the epiphany came, you're a director. And I have to believe it's because for the first time I saw what that was, that person does all of this. So as you venture off into this career and, you know, not, not very many people can say my, my first joint was love and basketball and it's like a classic and mm -hmm. means so much to so many people, but you hit a home run on your first outing, puts a lot of pressure uh, on you as a filmmaker. What, what do you remember about that first day on set versus your first day on set doing mm -hmm. the woman King? <laughs> well, I remember my first day on set, the very first time it was time to call action, and I opened my mouth, and suddenly I heard someone yell, action. I was like, what? And I turned behind me, and my first AD had just called action. <laughs> so I said, cut. <laughs> this, is my, this is my moment. Um, he had just been taught that the first AD... Does it? He got taught the wrong way. And um, <laughs> so that, that's my first day. But never to be seen again. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we we had a conversation. <laughs> but yeah, to be on that set, to be surrounded, because I cast also a bunch of women I played ball with um, as well. So there was a familiarity there. It was, it was hella scary, too. Mm. Um, certainly, I knew in those first couple of days I had to prove myself to my crew to myself, to the studio, but like it felt this is where I was meant to be. And um, yeah, it was 
scary, but also I knew what I needed to do. Going to the to the Woman King, uh, you have an outstanding ensemble that includes Viola Davis becoming an action star before our eyes at the age of at, you know fifty six years old. She says it out loud. Like, I'm just saying, but like. Damn, like I can't run, I can't do anything, and she's <laughs> just showing me up. Uh, obviously, such a physical film, and you've taken on the action genre before that does not belong primarily to men, yeah. uh, contrary to popular belief. Um, what what did it like having an all female cast and having them do things that they've probably never done before? It was it's like it was such an inspired experience. These women, I mean, I, I put John aside because John is a tremendous actor and gave us so much, but he, and then he laughs about it. Throne, yeah. He's on the throne with his chest out, you know, in robes. Um, eating good, good call, by the way. Like, like <laughs> you, you put him in good use, though. So. <laughs> yeah, these, these artists, these actors, I just think about the degree of difficulty for them because not only did they need to give incredible performances, which they do, extraordinary. And I know the depths that they all had to go to pull those performances. But then on top of that, become athletes and warriors and put in the work that it took, have the courage to put in that work, have the belief and trust in me that the work would pay off was a tremendous thing. And the fact that I also told them this is going to be the most important part of your rehearsal process and mm-hmm. building your character because you literally are embodying true warriors. And so we're, we're creating that within you, both the physical and the mental. It was extraordinary. And to see them bond that sisterhood that you feel up on screen that was built in those weight rooms on the track, um, in those gyms of hours and hours of supporting each other, pushing each other, being competitive in the best way, and being inspired by each other. And they talk about, certainly, when they're dying and they look over and Viola Davis is like, let's go again, let's go. Like, how are you going to not go again? So that that was the environment. It was really beautiful. God, I would hate to be in that room. Like, I have just, so much footage. I know. You know, we're, you know we, were, we were true method actors. We were like, no, nah, <laughs> we can't go that that deep into it. Um, when, when you... Look at the reception is you know it's critically acclaimed. Uh, everyone across the board just like loves it from the crafts to the acting to direction. And your movies are loved. Like so, I, w- I want to be like so. This is like is it par for the course for you? Or you're like, or you, were you nervous at TIFF when that crowd was when that when the credits started rolling? Yeah, the that was going to be the. First exposure to critics. I knew the response I was getting from audiences because we had three preview, um, but those are so fraught with so much that I can't enjoy it at all. <laughs> um, but then we had a, a friends and family, and, but that's also the most friendly audience you could uh, absolutely have. But in terms of whether it be our mixers or the first time Terrence Blanchard saw it, or I, I could see that this felt different. And obviously I love all my children. I love all my films. This one felt different, but it never, that first screening in front of an audience, it was the first time the actors were going to see it in front of an audience, so I was nervous for them. Mm-hmm. And it was magical. It was absolutely magical. Was this your biggest budget uh, film yet? No. Old no. Guard was. Old Guard was bigger? 
This was a bigger movie. No, but but, but budget wise, yeah, it's it's. I love Old Guard, but I was like, this movie felt like like hundred twenty five million dollars. Like it felt like I, I mean, listen, you put every penny to beautiful <laughs> use, and it and it looks so amazing. Um, you're directing, and it's. I hate to say this again because again, I think we are. A lot of times we are predisposition to think that like action when a woman steps into the action genre, like it's it, it feels different. It's very masculine, but it's not. It's just it gets a lot of things, a lot of those same uh, ideas across, but reinvents them. Um, was what were some of those? Did you get any notes or any type of advice about like, hey, listen, this is like you know big scale. Did anyone like try to give their expertise, quote unquote, on like how to really do this the right way? Um, I was very fortunate to be coming off the old guard. So because I had that, there was no questions about whether I could do it. The beauty is that I met Danny Hernandez on the old guard. He was a fight coordinator. So he was my third call after my husband and then, <laughs> and then Terry Shropshire, my editor. Then it was calling Danny. I need you to come aboard this. And what we talked about is these women legit beat men in real life. So we need to make that believable. This is also that action can't be good enough because it's women. It just has to be good. And I need to get our women there. And do you believe that you can help me push these women there? That's a tall task because nobody had done it before except for uh, Lashana. And Lashana even says she thought she was coming in with a little bit of advantage and quickly found out, now nah, this is a whole nother level. So that was the mandate. The action, again, it needs to be personal. It needs to be character-driven. It needs to be real, raw, and visceral. And that, I think, was one of the biggest things because, you know, everybody is used to Marvel. They're used to wire work and big flips. And, you know, I kept having to say, no, we're going, we're on the ground. We're hand-to-hand. We're machetes. So I think that was probably the biggest fight, to be able to stay true to that vision, stay true to who these women were and how they would have really fought. Obviously, filming during COVID. Um, seen the picture with you with a mask on, and, and every picture, and like, just like a mask on. Do, do, do how did it did it really make it more difficult, or you were just like, let we gotta get this done? Did it did it provide an X factor? Uh, it absolutely made it tougher. Um, to start with, you know, when we got shut down, we got shut down three weeks in the shooting. Because Omicron just it started with one case. Like the first three weeks, we were untouched. We were in the jungle. Um, it just. And this, I'm sorry, this is Omicron time, not yeah, this is uh, Omicron 2020. Yeah. Uh, um, time is relative now. I have no idea when it, anything exactly. was. <laughs> but yeah, we were having all the rehearsals and, and everything, everyone close quarters, but nothing. Then we get back. That was in KwaZulu Natal where we started shooting in the jungle. And we went to Cape Town. And we got our first case on a Saturday. And then Monday it was 6, and Tuesday it was 21. And at that point, it was like, oh, man. Um, that was really scary because you don't know, was it going to keep going up? Were we going to get to come back? Were we going to get shut down? It was a really scary thing. And literally the day we got shut down, they just finished building the palace. Like we <laughs> built that whole thing because I wanted to give the cast a 360 environment. And I remember going there. By my, actually, me and Polly, and we just sat there for hours, 
And I had to. I was like, we're going to work in storyboard and shot list the stuff that's coming up when we get back. Like mentally, I had to do that or else I, I think I, I don't know, I would have freaked out. Um, so thankfully, South Africa had a handle on it and it plateaued really quickly and everybody came back. Did you guys stay in South Africa? Viola and I stayed. And again, I couldn't leave or I felt like I wasn't going to come back. The rest of the cast left and, um, but they also needed a break. Like it was a lot. But when we came back, the hardest thing was we still had these big battles to shoot and some really big set pieces, but I couldn't have the same number of background. I had to cut it by half. So suddenly I had to be creative, more creative with the camera. And then with the fighting, you can't obviously, no one could be masked up. You're sweating, you're spitting, you're breathing on each other. And we had to keep the actors safe. So we then ended up bubbling all the stunt people if you were going to be fighting close contact. So um, it was a lot that obviously added some stuff to the budget, which is tough. But um, ultimately, we got it done. But it was tough. Oof. I don't envy you. Yeah, <laughs> straight up, I don't. Um, one of the – and social media, I believe uh, Viola Davis actually told me uh, – this is something famous that you said uh, – that – Social media is like no place to have like an intelligent conversation. Like you can't all. win an you argument. Can't, you can't win an argument on Twitter. Um, and I, once the movie had its first weekend, it did so well at the box office. Talking to Viola and Julius, and they're just like, I'm talking to them on the phone. They're just smiling from ear to ear. You can hear it. <laughs> they're, I think you guys were in Brazil at that time. And uh, making its rounds through social media were about the Dahomey, uh, the quote unquote real history yes. and the liberties that that were taken. My response was, wait till you guys see 1492 Conquest of Paradise about Christopher Columbus. You leave out <laughs> a lot of stuff yes. in there about genocide. So artistic uh and uh, liberties are taken all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't hold a lot of people to those same standards. No. But see everyone seems to want to have an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. Uh part what was what's been your response to that okay my well my first response is see the movie because there was an absolute assumption we weren't dealing with it <laughs> that was the biggest thing um so see the movie and then we can have a conversation because we absolutely deal with it um and then the other thing is so much of the argument is based on bad facts and you cannot have a conversation or an argument uh, against bad facts so what people are parroting, the Wikipedia historians, are, are literally, it's it's a history written from the wrong point of view. And the things that they are saying, and what was hard when we, actually it wasn't hard, it was great, uh, when we did the incredible deep dive into the research, incredible deep dive, and then pulled in these incredible academics and historians from Benin, like then we're getting the real history because the history that's on Wikipedia, the couple books that have been written is all from the point of view of people who had an incentive to dehumanize this kingdom and these women. And literally you'll read some of the stuff. It's so offensive. And so to hear the other side of that history written from those who truly lived it. Um, but also um, we found these incredible journals um, written in, I think it was 1840, by two missionaries who who went to Dahomey. And suddenly, the way that they're describing Dahomey and the people was so different. Um, and so that's what we were focusing on. And, and the film is really about challenging um, 
participation in slave trade. There's there's no one making heroes out of anyone. We're challenging. We set this at a specific time when the homie was truly deciding which way they were going to go. And um, we're telling the truth. Yeah. Wikipedia historians is going to be my new <laughs> trademark for you. Because on Wikipedia, it also lists Vivian Lee as the first Asian Best Actress winner ever. And that is a fact. Someone wow. argued with that argued with me on Twitter about that. Wow. And I... And, I, and I'm dead. I haven't, I haven't resurrected <laughs> since then. Um, I, I cannot let you sit in front of me without talking about your contribution to one of my favorite shows of all time, A Different World, ah. that lives here, lives right here. And I need to ask you about your time there and if anyone called you to reboot this thing. Because like I, I, I think we're rebooting a lot. And I know probably deep down inside we shouldn't, but I'm also willing to let Gina try. Mm-hmm. Well, foremost, it was one of the definitive jobs of my career, 100%. Getting into film school was the first, and fighting to get into film school after being rejected, like, that was the first. Different World, one, it was my favorite show, so to literally go from watching Dwayne and Whitley to writing for Dwayne and Whitley was amazing. And it was written and run by Susan Fells Hill, 28-year-old black woman, mm-hmm. Debbie Allen, the Debbie Allen, uh, and Yvette Lee Bowser, who was a producer at the time, black woman. These women, women took me under their wing and guided me. And also to go to work every day and see them running it just made it normal. Uh, I cannot say enough. And then I met a young man named Reggie Rockblythewood, who was hired a week uh, apart from me. And now, obviously, my husband. You, you came first, though? I, it's very important for the fact. We need to know who was there first. You know what? Because that's who gets a different world. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you anyway. I don't care. In my head. You, oh, my you, gosh. You I don't remember who got hired first. Wow. Mm. I got to look into that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was an incredible experience. But one of the amazing things was to hear that um, admissions to applications and admissions to HBCUs went up dramatically because of the show. Mm. Like that was such a cool thing to see the power of that show. And yes, through the years there have been conversations about rebooting and literally a couple weeks ago, which is why I reacted when you said that um, there has been some chatter? Some substantial chatter. Have you been asked or anything? I am just going to say there's <laughs> been some substantial chatter. Oh, That's Gina Prince-Bythewood, director of The Woman King, now out in theaters. German actress Nina Haas stars opposite Kate Blanchett in Todd Field's Tar, which debuted to rave reviews at the Venice and Telluride Film Festivals. The film could land Haas her first Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress for her performance as the wife to Blanchett's trailblazing composer, who became the first woman to conduct a major German orchestra. She's actually the heart and soul of her movie. Best known for her acclaimed performances in Phoenix and Barbara, as well as Anton Corbin's A Most Wanted Man. Haas made her film debut in 1996 with A Girl Called Rosemary, but additional credits include Yella, Something to Remind Me, and Wolfsburg. Variety's award circuit podcast caught up with Haas to talk about Tar and all this award chatter she's getting. 
we began by recounting how she got involved with her film. Firstly, I met Todd. So Todd had contacted me via my agents who said, Todd Field wants to speak with you. Uh, we don't know anything. It's a big secret. We don't know what it's about, but do you want to meet him? And I'm like, of course, I'm going to meet Todd Field. And so we uh, had- By the way, were you aware that it had been 16 years no. since we have heard? No, you didn't even no. like pick up on that. Got it. But I, I had seen his two films and they were so present in my mind still that I had no, I, I couldn't believe it when I realized it was 16 years ago, you know. So when I spoke with him, I didn't have that in mind at all. I was just like, oh, he's doing a new film. That's incredible. And uh, so we started talking and uh, he sent me the script. And, and I, I had said yes, I think, at the moment uh, in time when I then met Kate in Budapest. But I didn't know if she would know me. You know, <laughs> because I had never, I, we had mutual friends in theater, in the art scene, in film, and I know all of her work, you know, so I obviously followed her, but I, I couldn't know that she had seen any of my films, you know. And so I was sitting in the breakfast room in Budapest and with a colleague of mine, and we were both face, facing the, the room, and she came around the corner at the very end of that room and walked and my colleague was like oh, that's Kate Blanchard <laughs> and I was like oh 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 my god she's here what do I do will she will she recognize me or kind of and then had it she, been announced that you would be in the movie yet it was still not announced but, okay. she, but she knew I that was the thing I didn't know no you know, had they spoken, I was not yet in the gang. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and then she, but she looked at me and then she went like, Nina. And I said, like, oh my God. All right. All right. It's on. <laughs> and, it, and from that moment, what was great about this was uh, that we could get to know each other without having to work. We were both working on different projects. I was shooting Jack Ryan. And uh, she was, I think it was Borderland is the is the title of the film she was doing. And so we just met for dinner, for breakfast. We had a great, and that was, of course, immensely helpful for doing, uh, you know, acting as a couple in, in Todd's movie. So when you guys went to set, you guys were already familiar. Yeah. Like everything just, oh. Yeah, that was great. That was really oh God. great. Is your friend still alive? Because I would have died. It was like watching, like, <laughs> yes. like, oh, Nina. And then you guys, <laughs> yes. just, like, talk about just feeling like the third wheel invisible. Like, I can't sit with this. Like, this is <laughs> no, too much. He's, My a, God. he's a wonderful Czech colleague, Adam. Oh. And he, he was really like, Oh wow, you know her. <laughs> like you're friends with Kate. Friend. Um and I, I like to start like at a very for for some people who haven't recognized or or don't know Nina Haas yet. Uh you were born in, in Germany. Can you tell me about you know your your upbringing in terms of what got you interested in acting? What was the movie that did it for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I was I was focused very much on theater because my mother was a theater actress and later on became a director and then I think the second woman in in the German speaking field to actually lead a theater. So she was a power <laughs> powerhouse in that sense. And Olivia Tarr, so, uh, yeah, power, power. Yeah, but she yeah, didn't. But, but, she but, wasn't, but she wasn't. She wasn't destroying everything else. No, her. No. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but. Uh, 
But so because of that, I was always surrounded by actors. I was in theater. I was I was watching rehearsals. I so I I had a I feel now I had a very natural entry into this job. So I, when I was five, I remember, and I saw a stage. I just went up and sang, you know. So I had this natural pull towards uh, towards stage and uh, and. Meanwhile, while working on getting myself to doing stage work, I was, of course, watching a lot of films. And what I really grew up with was the likes of Betty Davis, also Marilyn Monroe, um, you know, all the, the, the Marlene Dietrich, uh, or then the French films, Jean Moreau, uh, you know, the, all, all these kind of, so, so it was from Billy Wilder to Jean-Luc Godard, yeah, or, or Sauté, or, you know, that, so that was, it, Romy Schneider was one of my big influences when I was a teenager, you know, I was fascinated by, by her. And, um, but I never thought I could, I would actually enter this world because I had no, you know, no connection to film. And then it happened that a friend of mine got a part when I was 19 and in a film where they were looking for the main role. Uh, it was a film from uh, Josef Filsmeier was his name of the director. And I got it because I... I just, I tested, I did the audition and I always thought, no, no, but I want to go to acting school. You know, I had my spot. I, I knew I was going to be in this great uh, acting school in, in Berlin and Spush and uh, would start my way going to the stage. And once I had started that, working on this film, I thought, oh my God, this is so different. This is so great. I, I was really hooked. And I got lots of chances from that moment on to do both theater and film. So that's what I did for a long time, try to combine both. And uh, that that really was my, my entry into this world. And then I met Christian uh, Petzold, with, with whom I made six films together. Mm-hmm. Um, so far (laughs) so far and and, um yeah that that was some something where i I started to think about filmmaking also in a different way you know and he because he led me into this process of how to get to a story how to you know how a script develops how you then work on set um how you how you know without Fo- putting a focus on it and that I guess what drew me also to Todd's script that it is very political mm. but it's poetic in the same way and it it raises more questions than it gives answers which I think art is you know um, it, 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 it opens up a space more than it closes it down it, it opens up a space and invites you to in, to have a conversation and uh, so that's what I learned from Christian about filmmaking, you know, about, and uh, so that was a very important uh, meeting with him. You, you point to an exam, uh, example of what I have long believed some of our greatest actors and actresses working today, their bones are made in the theater, like mm-hmm. on the stage. You're better because you, you know that part. Uh, of of art um and you didn't seek film film found you mm-hmm. that's what it sounds mm-hmm. like yeah um do you find yourself belonging to one more than the other or you think you've really adopted that like nope i, I have two parents and you know I film and so. theater 
I think I have two parents. I, I abandoned one right now, the stage, mm -hmm. a little bit because it's very complicated with the German repertoire system to combine it if I want to uh, uh, open up the room now to, to be able to work also internationally. But also with doing French films or German films, so I just need a bit more time. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. that's, that's what it is. But I, I do have to say... What I learned from stage work is you're, you're staying humble, you know, because you work in a group. That's what I always loved about it, that you have this rehearsal time, mm -hmm. that you dive into a text, that you, you know, examine it to, <laughs> to the bone. And, and so that, that's what I try to do also in my preparation work for film. And then w what is amazing in a, in a pro project like this with Todd, was that he gave us that mm -hmm. that time also, you know, so we could spend time in the actual apartment that we were later shooting in, and and we we could feel the room, we could test out wh what feels right, where where should we sit, or are we standing, or something. you know, you have this before the the whole gang yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is with you, you know, and and you can just explore it in a in a more personal, private way. So that that's what I what I. I, the base is maybe the the theater in it in its sense that you you're just always in a in a conversation and it's very collaborative and that is not always the case yeah. when you're shooting but when it's great then it's the same so this one this tar was the same we were really like a like a theater group we were uh, constantly in exchange um always trying everything to, to get everything out of the the scene every little nuance every little, without being too um forceful you know that that's not what i mean it was also very light but it's just you look to give your best for the story together you know And uh, that will, yeah, that that reminds me of theater mm. in uh, in the best sense, yeah. Uh, take me back, because I to be a fly on the wall to the moment you're handed the script and say, okay, read it, and mm -hmm. we want you to be Sharon. Mm -hmm. What did that first? Because I, I I like I want the script so bad. Like I need to see <laughs> the action, the mm -hmm. the the dialogue, mm -hmm. the the stage direction. I need to see all of that. Mm -hmm. What was it like reading that for the first time? And did you get it, quote unquote? Because mm -hmm. everyone has a different interpretation. Yeah. I, you see, I don't know if mm. I got it because mm. I got my version oh. <laughs> of it. You know, I don't. I, it's it's true what you're saying. Everyone who who gets out of the film tells me a different film, mm. you know, and that's what I find fascinating. It's probably the same with the script. I just know I read it and I put it down and I was like, oh my God, mm. I think I only got half of it <laughs> or, or three, you know, not even a third or so. Mm. I have to go back and now that I know in which world it's set, the names that are being thrown at you and, and all that, what what is this about? I was, but you know, it, evoke something in you that you don't go oh god i don't know anything about it i don't want to have anything to do with it it's the contrary you go oh, it invites you to learn mm -hmm. in a way it, it 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 fascinates you this world starts fascinating you and that was already in the script so uh, by the way like with as it's the one of the greatest pranks that todd field ever put on me was i was as, a, as i'm watching him like 
Lydia Tarr is real. Like I haven't never ah. heard of her before. And I was led to believe this was a biopic, quote unquote. Oh. So I was like, who like who is this woman? When they especially when they said that she's an EGOT, I'm the awards editor at Variety. So I'm like, I, I know all the EGOTs. I've never heard of Lydia Tarr. Yeah. And then find out that she's completely fake. But that is how real, real it is. He makes her on, it's on the true. screen. It's true. I didn't think that because I was in Berlin. <laughs> and it's 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 not the Berliner Philharmonics, but yeah. it plays with that. So I knew like, there's never been a female <laughs> main conductor. Yeah, and I don't around. know the composing world. So yes. <laughs> you know, so I gave you an advantage. So yeah. I, I thought, okay, this is fiction. Yeah. This is a fairy tale. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but 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 I was amazed. I was amazed about this character, Lydia Tarr. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, that just blew me away. And then I was looking into who are all these people that surround a character like that, you know, and then looking at Sharon to, to find out what is in this. You know, you can easily make her this, the, the, the victim partner you know, who suffers from someone like that. But then I thought, but that's too easy because that's normally not how that goes, yeah. you know. If you are with someone like that, you have your own agenda as well, especially when you are a phenomenal musician in your own right, which Sharon is. And she has a position in the orchestra, which I learned about. I never had a clue that the concert master is somewhat the second most powerful position you can have after the conductor mm -hmm. and it is under threat the whole time so you have to prove yourself every day it's a constant battle i would say it's a tough world the yeah. classical music uh, world but it's also someone who needs to be a communicator who, who communicates between the conductor and the whole orchestra, who has to catch if, if someone doesn't feel seen or not respected or whatever. You, you try to make the whole group feel all right and fine so that you can work together as one instrument, so yeah. to speak. And I thought someone like that who made uh, her way to this position also wants something out of that relationship with with this genius yeah. uh, uh, of a conductor which is mainly creating this most beautiful music together you know so that that was my entry point then mm -hmm. with the with the script that I thought oh this is rich there's so much to to learn on one end but also I really want want to make sure for everyone you don't need to be a connoisseur of the classical music world yeah, as no. well. No, you just... I know nothing. You, there there <laughs> are some names will flow by, you know, and fly by and, and, and you'll just go, what? Who? It doesn't matter. That's not what it's yeah, all I heard about. Mozart. I knew Mozart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's no. what Amadeus and yeah. Beethoven. I heard, like, there's something I was like, oh, I know that. Yeah. And it was funny because actually when, when the music is playing, yeah. I that's why I didn't like. I wanted to ask. I, I didn't know what was Hildur's score or what was just like music. You yeah. know that was yeah. like you know, and yeah. you don't need that entry point. No, no, at all. You don't. I, as a matter of fact, it might even give you an advantage to like accessing. I think so. A, a little bit. I think it makes you. It it, it makes you being curious. Mm -hmm. You know. Sure. And you hear. I can only. <laughs> yeah, I've, mm. I've never really listened to Mahler the Fifth. Mm. I, I knew it was out there and I knew it was a wonderful piece. I knew the Adagetto and, and, and the, that. But to listen to this whole symphony, I can only recommend it to everyone after this film or before this film, whenever. It's 
a masterpiece. It's, it's such an incredible piece of work that leads you through all the emotions. It's just powerful because it's it's strong, but it's also very playful. It's, mm. very, it's full of love and it's full of sentiment. It's full of, you know, it, it's so amazing. And I, and I always thought, oh, that's what, Ta is working on, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's one thing that she works on her legacy to finish all the symphonies together. This is the last one that she needs to record. And then she has this big, uh, you know, five symphonies and one uh, vinyl box and, and so on. And, but it is also very personal. It's when you work with this kind of music, you have to open yourself. You have to make yourself vulnerable and this is what this film is also discussing and it's something I, I keep also thinking about if you're a creative and you step out and you, you might want to do production or you might want to lead an institution mm -hmm. or you might you know does that hinder your freedom in in being creative you know mm, okay. does that does that ha have a conflict this is what this 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 the, Tar is dealing with as well. You know, she's in this very strict German institution, you know, mm -hmm. where you have certain rules and where if you want to step out, everyone watches you and has a, has you know judges you, and uh, so you have to navigate. It's a very fine line. Got it. To to be really a risky risk taking creative director. And someone who leads this institute, and you have to make everyone behind you happy as well. That's Nina Haas, star of Todd Field's feature, Tar, now out in theaters. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit.